Y'all are trying to be good listeners, aren't you? Nice and quiet. And let's give our Trail Life uh, group another hand. They deserve it. Uh, I just want to say, Aaron, uh, Chris, all you guys that are involved in Trail Life, thank you. Uh, it's, a, it's a true blessing to, to see adults, especially for me, to take time for children. Because children are so important, and they're such a gift from God. And, and you know, we, we, we don't need to take that lightly. And, um, you know, it's just, a, it's just a, an honor to be a part of a church that sees that and, and recognizes that. And, and not just sees it and recognizes it, but puts something into action. And that's what God wants from us is action. Amen? Amen. Um, but uh, so anyway, if you see one of them, tell them thanks. If, if, you're, if you need some, something to do with your spare time, get involved. Um, I know they need some, um, and I talk about we need men, we need men, but women are a vital part of men's life. And so uh, if there's any women that want to be a mom or, or, you know, I'm sure there's some things that they could use you with uh, to help out. Um, they may not give you a patch and a shirt now. Don't get offended. You know, that's for the boys only. But anyway, uh, just check with them and see if you can help in any way. Uh, but it is a privilege to be here, and thank you. Uh, as always, church, you, um, you show such great love to Pastor Frank and myself, and uh, it's obvious. And we just, I just want to say thank you for uh, the love that you share with us and, and how much you pray for us. I know many of you uh, pray often for us, and it's, it's a blessing to know that someone's lifting us up to the Lord. And so just thank you for that. A lot of times, Pastor Frank and I will talk, and I'll say, Hey, Pastor Frank, what are you going to preach about this Sunday or Wednesday or whatever? And he'll go, Sin. And, of course, I'll reply, Well, are you for it or against it? You know, so that's what I'm going to talk to you about today is sin and how it uh, uh, affects us. And, and before we get started, let me open us up in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you, Father, for loving us. And Lord, just be with us now as we look at your word, as we talk about uh, the obedience that you expect from us each and every day, each and every moment of our lives. And Father, just speak to us in a clear way. Lord, we honor you with this day and with this moment. As we look at your word, in Christ's name we pray, amen. You know, do you believe that what I'm asking, this is a question. Do you believe, do we believe that what we want deep in our heart is what really matters? Um, and this is the big factor for me. I mean, many other factors may influence us in our life. Um, but at the root of sin is a battle not for self-control, but for happiness. For, for happiness. You know, aren't we always looking for happiness? Aren't we always trying to find joy in whatever we do? I mean, am I the only one? Okay, good. So you're, you're, you're awake, right? I mean, happiness is what we search for, isn't it? We're searching for joy. I mean, but here's the thing. We keep falling into sin often. We, we fall into sin again and again and again. And we, when we fail to believe that God's way will make us happier. Um, here's an example. When my children were uh, in their teens, when they were teenagers, they do and did. They're no longer teens. None of them. <laughs> wow, I'm old. 
Wayne. <laughs> but they, did, they were normal teenagers, and, and they acted as teens do. And you know what they did? They ransacked the pantry. Food was constantly always gone. Um, they, they, uh, they, they, they emptied the freezer, uh, with sugar filled calories and, um, uh, they, they just, they just ate us out of house and home. You ever heard that statement? Yeah, of course you have. Um, and, and they would, when they got a little older, they would run to those fast food restaurants and the convenience stores. You know, I'm guilty of that, Andy. I, I cannot go in a convenience store and, and just buy my gas or whatever. I'm coming out with something sweet and the Coke. And, you know, I, I just can't help it. That's just, you know, it's, it's an, it, I understand that. But, you know, Don and I, we, we would try to encourage our children. We would try to encourage them to eat their fruit and eat their vegetables, right? Drink more water. And all they wanted was, you know, soda and stuff like that. We would, we would teach them that uh, uh, the science that's involved in uh, the proper nutrients that we need through food. We would try to, to, to help them stay away from the, the negative effects of the foods that would, um, you know, maybe pollute their body more. You know, the good food helps us live, Roar, but you know, they didn't care. They didn't care. They just wanted that junk food. I, anybody clear with that? You understand? I like it. You know, my thing is, is a lot of times I'll, I like junk food, and, uh, you know, it goes down good, but about like an hour later, I'm like, oh, you know, my stomach hurts. Have you been there before? Sure you have. Um, but so when my children, when they got up a little older, 19, 20, 26 years old, uh, they, they try to begin to eat a little healthier and uh, stopped eating so much junk food. And one even only eats vegetables. I'm not sure why. But uh, when he comes home, he, he dwells into uh, uh, the sin of meat, I guess. <laughs> uh, but... Um, it was really not um, that we went from, it's, it wasn't that they went, or even ourselves, went from ignorance to being informed. It was, uh, they knew, even as kids, they knew that that junk food was not good for them. And they knew that fruits and vegetables and stuff like that was good for them. Amen? I mean, we know that too. Um, uh but what they lacked was a belief that eating the vegetables and eating the proper food was really what was going to make them happier than eating all the junk food. You know, like I said, for the moment, the junk food is like, mm, yummy, yummy to my tummy. But then an hour or two later, you're like, oh, my tummy don't feel so good. Maybe that's because I ate too much. I don't know. Um, but they realized and experienced uh, how nutritious, did I say that right? Nutritious, thank you. <laughs> Nutritious food makes them feel better. Um, and, and, and we as adults, we actually understand that probably better than most teenagers, I'm sure. But I think that their aha moment um, provides a helpful illustration for why we keep choosing sin. Um, you know, as long as we believe that choosing not to sin is choosing less happiness. And so, you know, every sin, every wrongdoing, no matter what kind it is, whether acted out in behavior or maybe tried to keep secretly in some dark place of our heart, you know, it, it's a manifestation of, of something we believe. And um, I'm going to pause right there and use Pastor Frank's little 
Andy made this for Pastor Frank. If you need anything built out of wood, look, watch. I got it backwards. Look at that. I'm going to dump it over before it's over. I guarantee it. Um, but, you know, every sin, every sin is born out of belief that disobeying God will produce happier outcomes than obeying God. And I, and I truly believe that. You know, whether or not we're conscious of it, it's true. Look, look in, in, in Galatians. Genesis, one of my favorite books of the Bible, it explains everything. But in Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, we'll have it on the screen. Let's look at that. It says, And the Lord, God, commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For on that day you eat from it, you will certainly die. So, Every sin is some repeat version of the original human sin that we, we, we look at. Uh, we, we just read where our ancestor parents uh, ate the forbidden tree of the tree, you know, the fruit from the tree. They said, you know, you can do anything, you can eat from anything. And so there must have been multiple trees, right? There wasn't just two. You can eat from this one or that one. He said, you can eat from any tree. In my head, that's a bunch of trees in the garden, but not this one, okay? Um, so I, I can't help to ask myself, why, why did they do it? I mean, did they really know what death was? I mean, because there were no sin yet. You know, you will surely die. I'm like, well, did they understand that? Why, why did they do it? Were they ignorant? I mean, did God not tell them? Well, we just read that he did. Um, God told them directly to eat, that eating from that fruit would be wrong and that they would, they would not be happy if they did eat the fruit. They were not going to be happy. And we're always searching for happiness, but we can see here how Satan, he put a different spin on God's word and motives and told them that they would be happier if they ate it. You know, I, I, I've, I've, I, I deal with the teenagers here at the church, and I, and I get to talk to them often. And, and, and a lot of times, you know, when we're trying to get that deep conversation going, they literally have told me it's more fun to do wrong. And, you know, see, that's just the wrong thought process in our head. It's, I mean, you know, and, and I'm sure all of you can relate. You know, it's more fun to do what I want. You know, rather than being obedient and like Aaron shared with his other earlier, uh, respecting authority, it seems to be more fun. Um, but, you know, Adam and Eve, they, they weighed both options, uh, but they, and they made their choice. Just as we do each and every day, they ate for the joy they wrongly believed was set before them by Satan. They wrongly believed. And it was, it was Satan who brought that. And here, you know, and, and, and it was not wrong for Adam and Eve to be motivated by joy. I mean, that's what, you know, you can imagine how joyful it must have been to be in the presence of God every day. Literally in his presence. I mean, the Spirit of God was with man on the earth 
and, you know, maybe in a bodily form. We don't know. It says he was there with them. Um, you know, God, I, I, they, they weren't motivated by, they were wrongly motivated by joy. And, you know, this is the way God has made us. It's not his fault. But he made us to be motivated for joy. I mean, if given the choice, we choose to believe what we choose to believe will make us happier, even if knowing in our head and tells us uh, our choice is not the right thing to do. Sometimes we still believe that that's what I need to do. I mean, we know right from wrong, don't we? Most everybody does, even when they're smaller. Uh, you can get the picture, unless you've got a, a disability with learning or whatever. It's even our small children in our daycare, our babies, they know. I just saw the other day, one of the teachers said, come over here and sit down. You're not supposed to push your friends. They knew that. That's why they were crying, because they knew that they did something wrong. But what made it wrong was where Adam and Eve tried to find joy and where they placed their faith. They tried to find joy in the wrong things. And they placed their faith in themselves. And I think we do that often. I think uh, they believe that Satan's promise of joy over God's promise of joy. That twisted how he made it sound a little bit better. Um, one of the, the godliest men in the Old Testament, what, he committed adultery. Uh, and, and then he tried to cover it up by murdering the, the, the lady's husband. We know who I'm talking about, right? Anybody tell me? Good job, it was David. I mean, his desire for a happy life with Bathsheba was greater than his faith in God at that moment. I mean, David's desire also made him stupid enough to think that no one would ever know about the sin. He thought that it was no one was ever going to know. You know, I'm, gonna, I'm the king and I can manipulate and do... Secret sin does not exist. Secret sin does not exist. Realize this. There is, there's no secret sin. God knows all sin, and all sin brings separation from God. Okay? Um, and Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21, I want us to look at. This is where Paul writes to a group of believers that's in a certain area and he says, now the works of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, <laughs> idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar about which I tell you in advance, as I told you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. When we look at that scripture now, the, 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 um, the works of the flesh are pretty obvious, aren't they? When, when we're looking at that. Sexual morality, uh, moral impurity, promiscuity. I have a hard time with all my syllables sometimes. Idolatry, uh, sorcery. Now, you may say, well, uh, Preston, I, I'm not having an affair, and I'm not a warlock. Um, I have that covered, right? Uh, but, 
but look at the rest of the verse. It talks about hatred, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy. And here, I'm going to be transparent with you for a moment. Um, now, I see me in that part of the verse. I see me in that part of the verse because I get angry when something doesn't go the way I'm trying to get it to go. I get angry. Um, Pastor Frank, Tara, my wife, knows that I lust after a bigger boat. You know, I got a little bitty boat. Me and a child can go, you know. It's a, you know but that's, I can see me in that. And, and many times, um, I forget to uh, put others first in my life. There's times where I forget to put someone else first rather than me. Um, my, my thoughts are my thoughts, I say. Uh, uh, if, I, if I don't share them with anyone, no one knows, right? I can keep them here. No one knows what's going on in there. Okay? Um, so, is it right for me to say, well, my sin is okay if no one knows, right? If, it's in, if no one knows about my sin, then it's okay. We say that sometimes. I've said that. Um, most of us know that God sees all of us, amen? There's nothing that we can hide from him. Our hearts and our thoughts are good or bad. Whatever they mean, whatever they are, God knows. We can't hide from them. That's what I meant by no sin is hidden. Um, but sometimes I think that we get comfortable with sin. And, and, and that's easy to hide, that no one else might know about it. Um, we kind of worry about what the, 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 the culture the people around us may see and think about us more than we care what Christ sees in our lives um, and, and thinks about us. And that's not good. We're, we're too busy trying to please each other rather than trying to please our Lord and Savior. And, you know, God has told us repeatedly that sin bottled up inside, um, concealed from everyone else's view, carries a very, carries a lot of guilt carries a lot of shame, um, and it manifests itself in the wrong form of ungodly behavior. Um, you know, those who hate others. I, I know people, people that I care about. I, you just don't know what they did to me. Like their own brother or their own sister or their own mom, or dad. I just, I'm, I'm done. I hate them. You know, just because your struggle is not for all to see, God still sees it, and all sin will keep you out of the right fellowship with God. No matter if anyone else knows about it. It will. Um, it, it's sin that, that zaps spiritual power. Uh, it, it kills you, your, your spiritual life and your spiritual life of relationships. So what I want us to do is look at two uh, principles to consider. Secret sin, here's the first one. Secret sin, secret sins are only that way for a short time. Now, I don't know about you, but I've lived in LaBelle my entire life. I mean, almost within a five-block radius. 
For one time, I moved away for a year when we first got married because my wife's a nurse, and so we decided to live in Lehigh so I could be close to my job in LaBelle and her and there, but the rest of the time right here. And now you know it's been, it was, in the 70s, it was a really small town. I mean, I could drive my three-wheeler or my bicycle where I wasn't supposed to be, and before I got home, my parents were saying, what were you doing over there? I wasn't over there. Oh, yeah, so-and-so saw you over there. And I'm so thankful that we didn't have cell phones with pictures and stuff like that. Man, it would have been bad. You know, I'm thankful that that didn't come out till later. But, you know, it wasn't, I couldn't hide. No matter what, I, I, people would know. Um, here, think about the few examples that we can look at in the Bible. Um, David, Jonah, how about uh, Judas, Peter, uh, Mary and Ellen, uh, Aaron, Thomas. I mean, each of these scenarios, secret sin created a separation from God, and it caused a fair amount of trouble in those that were involved. I mean, we, we read about what happened after these things came out to these characters in the Bible. They had some struggles. No one lived on to be a happy forever kind of life, right? Um, so, The purpose of my, what I want to share with you today, it, it, it's, it's not to call out one's secret sin or public sin. Um, it's to encourage awareness of how sin creates a distraction from God's ways and distance from his being. It, it does. It, um, and, this is, you know, and I think this is, this is where I struggle personally. You know, because this is the only church that I've ever been in. Literally. I mean, I've been, in, I've been in others, but like been involved in, you know. And, and so it's been just since 2006 that this has happened. And so I'm still learning about church life. And, and I struggle with this. We need to be careful when we think that another's public sin is worse than our own private sin. This is where I struggle because... I talk to people, and I talk to people that maybe came to this church before, or they went to another church in town before, and, 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 and for whatever reason, they're not going anymore because of their struggles and whatever. But, you know, how often you've heard it, oh, there's nothing but a bunch of hypocrites in that church. And you know what I say to them? You know what? You're right. But praise God, he loves us anyway. And, you know, that's a, just an excuse that maybe they're using, but it is a, 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 a really problem. A lot of people say, that. Well, I don't go over there because I know that so-and-so does that, and she said that, and they talk to me like that. It's, it's not a good excuse, but it is an excuse that's being used. And I think it's been created because of the church life, because we, if we can see someone's sin, oh, boy, we're calling them out. Amen? I mean, that's, that's what I've seen. Um, and it's no good. And my second principle is my sin is private and does not affect my relationship with others. I mean, just as faith is most effectively lived out in the community, so is sin. I mean, if I walk out in faith and, and, I, and people know that I used to act this way and get angry more than I do now or whatever... 
They see it acting out. And that's what God wants from us, isn't it? Action, not just talk. Uh, uh, Faith, here's the thing. Faith gives rise to mutual boldness, and sin gives rise to mutual weakness. Um, when, when When we stop trying to convince ourselves that the secret sin in our life will not hinder the mission of God, we fail. Here's, instead, a, a, life, a, a life lived and in a gospel-centered, repentance-filled life, and, and, and it cannot be fixed uh, any, we can't fix any of this on our own. That's the whole point of God sending Jesus, amen? To fix that problem. And not everyone sees it. Um, That's why Jesus came. You know, God's salvation is not just about who we are spiritually, but his salvation is for every area of our life. Uh, Physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, of course, and and, and socially. I mean, he wants us to to live a life that's full. Amen? Uh, the, The problem, I think, with Christianity is that it has restricted salvation to a spiritual salvation rather than one that entails every area of our life. And just because you don't know my thoughts and they're not Christ-loving to you, well, boy, Preston's just got it going on, you know. But I need to capture my thoughts. When that change has come into our life, that's what we've got to start that's got to renew as well, doesn't it? Um, uh, according to the verses we read earlier, Paul tells us that those who commit the above-mentioned sins will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I know some of you probably read that and went, oh man, I'm out. Because I did too. But let me, let, me, let me help us a little bit. So does that mean that we're not going to go to heaven? If we're still drumming out some of that sin? No, I don't think that's what Paul was trying to say. Um, But it does mean that you will not be walking with Christ and enjoying the best relationship with him. That's what it means. Um, Now, the Apostle Paul, he he warned these uh, churches in Galatia. Uh, He warned them um, as he has done when he was in their midst. He, He told them, And we read in verse 21, those who live like this, who habitually indulge in these fleshly sins, will not inherit the future kingdom of God. Now, it doesn't say that Christians lose their salvation if they lapse into sin of flesh, um, but that a person who lives continuously on such a level of moral corruption gives evidence that they are not a child of God. That's why it's so important for us to, as Christians, to walk like a Christian. Because people are watching. And the first thing that the, the Satan's going to remind them of, that we're hypocrites. And you know, like I said, I just tell them, yeah, you're right. We are. Everyone is. If you're not, you're lying. You know, we, we've all been there. We, and, and, but praise him. Praise God, he loves us anyway. Um, 
You know, it's not my judgment whether you are a new creation or not, right? It's only God gets to make that decision, and he sees our hearts, and that's what uh, I think is important. You know, I want to encourage you to just maybe take a second look at your own new life in creation, how it looks like, your, your new life. What does it look like when you said yes to the cross? You know, it's not like, like these people in, in the book of Galatians, they were trying to, they were Judaizers. These people were dead set on the law, and this has just got to be this way. And now these new people, which we call Gentiles, non-Jewish people, were coming into the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Well, these Judaizers that were also in, you know, hey, I believe Jesus is Lord too, they were saying to these Gentiles, you know what, you've got to do this law, you've got to practice this way. And Paul was there to say, look, dude, it's not about rules. It's about faith and grace. Faith and grace is what it is. You know, we say a lot of times to our children, hey, you need to accept Jesus into your heart. I was at a, a, a youth camp one time, and the speaker, he was awesome. Uh, his name was Sam. He says, you know, when we accept Jesus into heart, he comes into our heart, and there he is. Sometimes we can take him out and go, oh, there's Jesus. Oh, hey, Jesus. You know, he's being facetious. All we have to accept is grace. That's what God gives freely when we admit that we're a sinner, when we believe that Jesus is Lord. And then we confess through baptism to the world around us. I mean, that's where it's at, and that's what is important for uh, joy to come in our life. Um, sin will not get in the way, sin will get in the way of joy that God has for us. You've heard of the abundant life, right? The term abundant life. Uh, it comes from the Bible, John 10.10. 10. The first part of it we know. Let's, let's look at it. John 10.10. 10. And this is where... John was writing that Jesus said, a thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. The second part of the verse, what I want us to look at, I have come that you may have life and have it in abundance. Now, more abundantly means to have a super abundance of a thing, right? An abundant life. So, this refers to a life that's abounding fullness of joy, strength for the spirit, the soul, and the body. Okay? And so um, this abundant life signifies a contrast of feelings of lack or emptiness, dissatisfaction. Um, these kind of feelings motivate a person to seek the meaning of life. And a changed life is important. A changed life is important. I mean, even though secret sin is not open to those around us, it's not out in the open, it's, it causes a feeling of guilt and shame and anger. I don't know about you, but when I catch myself in that anger or that outrage, and you know, I, I, there's nothing to hide. I struggle with things. I lived a life for Preston all the way up till I was 30 six years old and now that I'm 50 Wayne come on in sir now that I'm 50 
I've only been practicing, can we add that up? It's only been 14 years that I've been practicing a life that leads for Christ. And so I'm still struggling. I still jack things up. And I have problems with, you know, my, you know, my dad and mom were great, loving people. But my dad thought it was funny to teach me to cuss before I could say dad, dad. <laughs> and so, you know, that, that comes up. And I don't want it to. But I, I, I know that I need to live my life out in action for those around me. It's important that I'll get their attention more when they see that change. You know, when we put things into action, I think things happen uh, for God and His glory much better. So I don't want to be that hypocrite. I know that I am. But I want to be more like God. And you know, for those feelings to change, those guilt and shame, we must have true repentance. And what that means is to not just feel sorry or have the shame or anger or stuff. That might come with it. But true repentance means, okay, this is sin. And when I repent, I say this. I turn away from it. Not because that's what's going to get me where I want to go to heaven. Because I, I want to be obedient to the one who gave me that grace. Out of love. And so repentance means to say, oh, you know those old lust thoughts that you have about that new boat? You know, just forget about it. Deal with the little boat. Turn away from that. You know? And that's a simple one. But you, you, you fill in the blank. Um, that's what repentance means. That's what we try to teach our, our children and, and those who come to this saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Um, this, is, this is because true repentance is more than telling God we're sorry for our sin. It involves turning away. And, and if we repent, if you repent, um, but then continue to practice uh, one or more of the sins that we realize, then that's why the other hypocrites will say, well, you know, nothing's really changed. Thought you were a Christian. Maybe you're not. Maybe, you know, repentance is what makes us different. That's where the new life comes in. He gives us a new mind, a new body. And, oh, Preston, well, I, I'd like to have hair. You know, maybe that's not important later in life. Because God promises eternal life with him. And, you know, I, I sure hope we get hair, though. <laughs> um, but, you, you know, you might mess up a time or two. Um, but according to Scripture, if we're not turned away from those things, then we're not changed. But remember... God knows the desires of our heart, and He knows how hard you want to change. He knows if you're really trying to put things into practice, if you're really trying to be that new creation, God knows. You're not hiding it from anyone, because He knows. So, um, you know, I've, I've heard churches that encourage their members to maybe confess their sins out loud in front of the congregation, 
or stand up and, and in front of each other and, and confess their sins. You know, and, 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 and if, I guess if, if that's someone feels that way, then okay. If you feel it's bringing glory to God, great. But I think that God only wants action. He wants things put into action. Like I shared with you in the past, I was started to come into church here, and I told myself as an adult, for this to stick, for this new way of life that I have this thing in my heart that I've decided I wanted to please God with every area of my life, and I was coming to this church to be discipled because God is the one that makes me believe, and then the body of Christ disciples us. That's what he said, make disciples, not believers. He's going to make the believer we as a church are supposed to make disciples. And, and I came here to be discipled, and I was. And, and Daryl told me one time, Sunday night, no one comes. I know I've shared this with you before. No one comes at night on Sunday nights. There's not many people here, just those that really want to dig in. And he says, what are you doing here? I remember I, it was not long after I'd been coming. I said, well, I've changed. And you can ask him because he's a big part of the reason I'm here today. But that's why I've changed. I wanted something different, and I pursued it. And, I, and I'm not, I'm not, I, I, I'm still jacking things up. I'm still dropping the ball. But, you know, as long as we see that and we try to be different and change, it's going to work out. It's gonna, God's going to give me that strength. God sees our action. He wants us to turn away from our sinful way and, and close the gap between us and his love and grace when we do that we close that gap and that's when we find true joy remember this you are the apple of god's eye i try to tell the teenagers this often you as a person and this is true it's biblical i'm not making this up you are the greatest thing that god has ever created let's just say that i am the greatest thing God has created. That should mean something. <laughs> that should really mean something because I know a lot of times in my life I don't feel so great. But in God's eye, I'm super special, above the angels, the Bible even tells us. We are the apple of God's eye. And, and, and here's the thing God is following along closely with your life as a caring, attentive father would do. And you are, you are very dear to him. And he wants, he wants it to go well for you. That's why John said about the abundant life. Not just abundant life because I'm going to be so happy in heaven with my big boat. No, abundant life now while I'm here on earth. He wants me to have a lot of good life now. And only through him can I find that. You know, and here's the thing. God's quick to forgive those who repent. And, and, and this is what I, one of the things that I personally love the most about when I read God's word. He never gives up on us. We're never letting him down because we're not holding him up. We don't make God God. He is just God, right? You know, so uh, he loves us no matter what. His love is always there for us. And then when we do drop the ball or jack things up what does the bible say he doesn't bring it up anymore he forgets about it 
Not us, though. We bring it up, don't we? We, we like to throw it in each other's face. Um, I, I want to end with this quote uh, by someone besides me. It says it's unknown. It says, the devil knows your name, but calls you by your sin. God knows your sin, but calls you by your name. You know, um, and so if you're here today and you want to ask God to help you with something, with your faith in Christ, um, I pray that you do that. If there's something that you need to pray about that's affecting your relationship with God, that's why, that's why we're here. This altar is here for you to come and pray about it. And your brothers and sisters can help pray with you. And don't even need to know it. We don't need to know your sin. That's between you and the Lord. But if you want to tell, hey, we're going to love you anyway. A lot of times I'm like, man, I wish you wouldn't have told me that. <laughs> but it's okay. You know, God loves us anyway. So maybe you've never said yes to Christ. Maybe you're, there, you're here today and you've never said, hey, man, I'm a, I'm a sinner. You never admitted that. We teach it in vacation Bible school. A, B, C. Admit that you're a sinner. Believe that God is who he says he is. That he, that he was born in a miraculous way. Don't forget about that. He was miraculously born conceived in, 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 in Mary, a virgin. That was a miracle. Well, you can't forget that part. Okay? If, if, you, if you believe that He is Lord, that He rose from the dead so that your sins could be forgotten, confess Him to those around you that He's your Lord. And if you've never been baptized, it's time. In the Bible, it talks about how people believed and they got baptized immediately. They didn't go through a baptism class. They didn't have a six-point sermon preached to them. They believed, they got baptized, and then God said, make disciples. Help them understand the way to walk in life. So if that's you, please come today as Ms. Tara comes uh, and, and leads us in song. Um, maybe if you just want to join the church. Uh, I know that we've had someone recently... We've had some people join, um, some, some, some of you, stand up, go ahead, stand up. Some of you think, oh, you've got to walk forward to join the church. Well, you know, that, that takes courage, but you don't have to. Um, but we would love for you to be a part of our church and um, come alongside of us as we live out our lives for Christ. So you come.